Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and I am the founder of Directional Ministries, located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. I also serve churches in the areas of pulpit supply, conferences, retreats, and revivals as the Lord provides opportunity. If I can be of service to you or your ministry, I would love to hear from you. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles today to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6, and we're going to be talking about alms. And prayers. Let's read verses 1 through 8, and then we'll open up in a word of prayer. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thine closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth the things ye have need of before ye ask him. Father God, we love you and do ask that you'd go before us now, that you'd bless the reading of your word, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear, and our hearts to, un to understand the things that you have for us, Lord. Father God, I pray that you would meet the needs that are rep represented on both sides of this microphone today, that, Father, you would um, do as you see best in each of our lives, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. In this chapter, Jesus begins to instruct the disciples on the right motives and methods for giving alms and for praying. Understand that alms, it's a word that we don't use very often today, but excuse me, it's referring to voluntary gifts to aid the poor and the needy. Now we see examples of this in Acts 3 and verse number 2 when, when a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. And then also in Acts chapter number 10 and verse number 2 a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house which gave alms to the people and prayed to God always. Now, the wrong motive for almsgiving, and he's speaking of the issue, the wrong motive of praying as well, is to be seen by men. Okay, hypocrites would go so far as to sound a trumpet, stand in the synagogue, stand on the corners of a street to pray or to give something to the poor so that men would notice them. You'll see there in verse number two, therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may receive the glory of men. And then also in verse number five, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets. That was their motive, and their reward was solely the recognition they received from the men who saw them. Because he says there at the end of verse number five, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now, that is the wrong motives for almsgiving and for 
praying. The right motive for almsgiving and praying is for the Father and Him alone. The right method, therefore, for almsgiving specifically is in secret. The giver wasn't even supposed to account for his gifts so that his left hand wouldn't know exactly what his right hand was doing. The right method for prayer was also in secret, without vain repetitions, and with forgiveness for those who had trespassed against them. We'll find down in the what we call the Lord's Prayer in verse number 12. That way the Father would reward him openly and forgive him as well. Now, in, uh, now, with that established, we get down into verses 9 through 14. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So now the Lord instructs the disciples on how they do need to pray. So he's in, he's, he's instructed them in regards to almsgiving. It's to be in secret. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Now he's going into prayer same way. Uh, it needs to be, it needs to be in secret before you and the father. Many times we refer to that as going into the prayer closet if you will, uh, your quiet time alone. So he's cautioned them how to and how not to do alms and prayer. Now he goes into what is called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it is actually the disciples' prayer. Because notice the Lord's after this manner, therefore pray ye. Now the ye in this would be them and not him. Now we have to remember that Jesus Christ was sent to the people of Israel. It was not until well after the ascension that Christ sent Paul to the Gentiles who were not under the law of Moses. This prayer was for the Jews who were under the law of Moses to pray. Therefore, it is not necessarily ours to pray. For example, when the prayer says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is all right for us to today to pray, uh, pray for that, but understand that it, it has a different meaning for us than it did for the Jews who were under the law of Moses. We can pray for his kingdom to come, but we know that for us, that means that we will be raptured and that God's will regarding the tribulation and setting up the kingdom will be fulfilled after that. In other words, you and I aren't necessarily looking for the kingdom, we're looking for the rapture to be fulfilled and then the kingdom to be fulfilled afterwards. In other words, we have a slightly different perspective of the kingdom from that of the Jews. Uh, the same could be said for the other statements in the prayer as well. Okay, there's an there's a definitely an interpretation that is limited to the house of Israel, yet there may be several applications that are applicable to the church of Jesus Christ. Now, now I would like to start a topical message on the issue of prayer for today and the church. You know, Mary, Queen of Scotland, once said of John Knox, the founder of the Presbyterian Church, I fear John Knox's prayers more than an army of 10,000 men. Thomas Lye once said, I'd rather stand against the canons of the wicked than against the prayers of the righteous. Uh, 
So what I want to do is take a closer look at what is called the Lord's Prayer uh, for the next uh, several lessons that we have together. And the first thing I want to look at is the definition of prayer. Prayer may be best defined as having fellowship with God. It is more than simply talking to God, but rather talking with God. It implies a two-way give and take. That's what prayer is. Um, and then I want to look at some of the elements of prayer. Looking at the model prayer that was given here by Jesus, we find that prayer includes 10 elements. And I want to go over these elements one at a time and make application for you and I as the Church of Jesus Christ today. The first application that I see is that it implies that there is a personal relationship with God. It implies that the person saying the prayer has a personal relationship with God because it starts out with the words, our father. The word our signifies the believer's brotherly relationship between himself and all other Christians. Now, again, the, the inter interpretation in the context is to the Jew, but we can make some application here to, <clears throat> to the Christian. While the Bible nowhere presents the universal fatherhood of God, you know, uh, it does declare the universal brotherhood of believers because the word father signifies the relationship between God and the believer. He's not everybody's father. In John chapter 8, verse number 44, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and bode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, his own for he's a liar, and he's the father of it. Now the bottom line, today you're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil, but you're not a child of both. So the first element of true prayer that I see looking at what we call the Lord's Prayer is a personal relationship with God. He's our Father. And then notice the second element, faith. Notice the next words, our Father in heaven. That is an element of faith because it takes faith to believe in that promise. As a matter of fact, in John chapter number 14, uh, John chapter <clears throat> number 14 and verse number one, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, that if I go and prepare a place, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that there you may be also. It takes faith to believe that God uh, is in heaven. And Paul declares in Hebrews that without this element in our prayers, they are useless. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The second element of, of any prayer that we pray is faith. You know, Webster's defines faith as a confidential belief or a confident belief in the truth, the value, or the trustworthiness of a person, an idea, or a thing. It is a belief that does not rest solely on logical, logical proof or material evidence. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews goes on and defines uh, faith for us in Hebrews uh, chapter chapter number 11 and verse number 1 when he when the writer says now faith is the substance of things hoped for 
the evidence of things, listen to this, not seen. You can't see it. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. It's faith. So when we come to the Lord in prayer, the first two elements is that it implies that we have a personal relationship with God who is our Father, and it also implies that we have a faith that he is in heaven. We're going to look at the next elements next time we get together. God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Remember always that God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.